a public service announcement with guitar. Know your right. Oh yeah, what's up everybody? You know what it is. It's the Deadbeat MMA and More podcast, uh, episode 13. How the hell are you? I'm your host, Deadbeat Dak, and uh, I've been on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, it's been a minute since I've reached out and touched you, so I'm so thrilled that you're uh, that, that you're back and, and, and hanging out with me. It's been, what's it been, about two and a half weeks. Uh, life is full, man. Life is full of important and meaningful shit, and one of my challenges is to carve out the space in my busy schedule to... Uh, to create this goddamn podcast. So uh, I'm going to do a little bit better. I tell you how much I love you guys, but actions speak louder than words. And the only way to show you how meaningful you are to me is when I make the time to put this thing together every week. So I'm going to have to do better than that. And I also acknowledge that I said the exact same thing uh, last episode. So we're just going to see how I do. But all that being said, dudes, what's up? Thank you so much for hanging out and for checking it out and for tuning in and for spending the next hour or so with me talking about these fights and uh, and all this other shit that means so much to us. How have you been? Uh, hopefully well. I assume you've been doing well. I've been doing pretty good, although... I ain't gonna lie, last night was a bad night. Uh, I got off work, as I do, in the early evening, and then I went, uh, me and my me and my main man, uh, Terrible Toby, went to the Red Dragon Casino in, uh, in Linwood, Washington, in suburban Seattle, uh, from about 7 p.m. to approximately 1 a.m., uh, and I ended up dropping many, many, many Benjamins, uh, I, I I was playing that hold'em and my God I just went on tilt and next thing I know I'm down like my rent money. Just kidding, I wasn't down my rent money. But uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a gambler to the bone and it was uh, gambling's a series of highs and lows and a, a bit of a low last night. But hey, it was fun uh, and that's what's important, right? That's what I tell myself. Uh, it would have been more fun if I left with like a fat fucking stack of chips, but uh, I did not. But anyway. Uh, we went to Dick's Drive-In Burgers afterwards, which was tight. So uh, I guess it was a good night. And also, also since I'm already babbling about stuff other than the fights, you know what I did this week? I went to see, uh, in the theaters, the newest Martin Scorsese gangster epic, The Irishman, which I believe is only going to be uh, in actual movie theaters for a week or two uh, until they transition to Netflix and show that shit, which I guess is like a sign of the times. But uh, uh, if there's one thing that I love almost as much as I love the fights, uh, it's uh, you know it's great films and great literature and Martin Scorsese's gangster films are nothing but masterpieces, man. They're uh, Casino, Goodfellas, Mean Streets, um, you know, and some of his other like non-gangster like Raging Bull, certainly, and Taxi Driver, I guess, to a lesser extent. But whatever, blah blah blah. I'm like Martin Scorsese, one of the greatest American artists of my lifetime. Uh, and he he dropped a late career resurgence as though his name were Bob Dylan dropping time out of mind. Uh, the Irishman is awesome. It's uh it's not made for the uh, for the Twitter generation. We've got like a three and a half hour like slow burn that uh, that requires some emotional investment. But 
my takeaway after seeing it only one time and, and, and just a few days ago is that it delivers. So if you guys are into that shit, uh, take it from me, man. It's worth the investment and time and energy. And, you know, by the time you guys get around to watching it, it'll probably be on Netflix. So you can like pause it and go to the bathroom or go get some Chinese food and come back the next day so you don't have to consume it in one uh, three and a half hour sitting. But, uh, oh God, it was awesome. My God, it was fucking great. And I'm not going to give you, uh, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, and also I don't want to babble about something other than the fights because I assume you guys are not tuning into this to listen to me babble about films and books and literature and love and life and laughter. It's probably the fights. So uh, let's talk about the fights, man. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to start babbling about something else. Uh, Y'all know me. Um, I want to get this out of the way. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I know that you could be doing absolutely anything with the next hour, and it just means everything to me that you've chosen to, uh, to spend that little bit of time listening to my fucking voice babbling on in your ear as you're doing whatever the hell you're doing, running on the treadmill or dicking around online. Uh, so I really do appreciate it. And as I say every episode, the single reason, man, there's only one reason that I do this podcast, uh, and it is to reach out and make some connections with, uh, you know, some fight fans from around the world who are who kind of who are kind of into the into the fights in the way that I am. Uh, and I have succeeded beyond my wildest dreams in that I'm getting to know people from all over the world, man. Uh, a listener from Scotland just. Uh, just hooked me up with a copy of the novel that she had written uh, called The Mixed Martial Artist, and that's just full success right there. I mean, I'm sharing something that I'm passionate about, and people are sharing with me the things that, that they're passionate about and the things that they're creating, and I just fucking love it. So it, I want to get to know you guys, too, all three of you, or however many. I have no fucking idea how many of you are listening out there, but um, uh, reach out and touch me, man. Uh, the easiest way to do that is to find me on Twitter at DeadbeatMMA. Um, reach out, follow me, uh, holler at me, let me know who you are, let me know what you're up to, let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, and uh, let me know what you think about these fights and just the world in general. I just want, I just want to know what you're all about. Uh, also, uh, you know, if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, some people choose for reasons that I cannot and will not understand to uh to send me email and you can do that too i'm at deadbeatmma at gmail.com so you got something that you want to say you have a uh uh something that you suggest that we uh we chat up and and chop up on the podcast holler at me dudes i love it i fucking love hearing from all of you listeners out there uh you guys i i I ask you every week to reach out and touch me and 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 you guys do and it just means the world to me so uh so if you're listening to this uh, I want to know you, so introduce yourself to me, please. And also, if you're listening to this, uh, and this is just me asking for a favor, however the hell you're listening to this, if you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever, do me a massive solid, massive solid, guys, and uh, and rate and review. You know what I, you know what it is. Uh, I love love is the word I'm using. Those five star reviews I see from time to time, it hits like the fucking dopamine floods my brain like I just hit a jackpot or something uh, and, uh, and, and if you're and if you're even if you're so inclined maybe even like drop a few words in the review and a few nice words goes a long way not just to making me feel good which is important to me but uh, it triggers some complicated like 
shadowy algorithm that they've got going on in this internet that uh, helps put my podcast that that we all love so much uh, in front of a, a few more eyeballs. So give me a, a, a rate and review if uh, if you like the podcast, if you if you like what you hear, if you like what we got going on, uh, let us know about it. If you don't like the podcast, man, if you hate this shit, which is a valid conclusion to come to. I mean, uh, I've been fortunate that I've only for the most part gotten good feedback, but. There's been some negative comments, and every little piece of constructive criticism has been spot on, and I've got thick skin, so I can take it. But if you think it sucks, uh, maybe reach out to me individually uh, and, and let me know how crap it is. But anyway, all that being said, thank you so much. Rate and review. Holler at me. Let me get to know you. Uh, let's go out there and throw our arms around this fucking thing called life and just squeeze it until it pops. And uh, and uh, and that requires uh, you guys getting in touch with me because I can only babble into this stupid little blue light microphone uh, so much. But anyway, man, hey, uh, man, we've had some fights, man. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, so I don't want to chop up all the old stuff. Um, I was thinking about this, uh, the UFC fights that we had down there in Brazil last weekend. I was excited about these fights, man. I'm just, I get kind of geeked on this stuff. And uh, that main event between uh, Jan Blahovich and, and Jacare Souza, I was pumped, man, and uh, I was probably excited. I mean, I was probably a little overexcited, um, considering what was really at stake, because I I was I kind of had been banging the drum for Blahovich to get the uh, to get that title shot after he uh, when he knocked out Rockholt a couple months ago. That was it as far as I was concerned. They had been talking about if Luke Rockholt got that win at 205, uh, he was going to get that title shot against John Jones. And so it only made sense to me that when Jan just chin-checked him into the shadow realm, uh, that he was going to kind of steal his shine and get that shot. And I'm into it, man. I was into it. Um, you know, he'd lost to Thiago Santos, who just nearly dethroned the champ. So, I mean... You know, by all metrics, Jan uh, Jan deserved that shot, and uh, and when he didn't get it, I was bummed. And you know, we started to get into this like little three man, or it was kind of more like a five man for a minute there, sort of conversation, I guess we'll call it, about who's going to get that light heavyweight title shot. Uh, and none of the, I mean, none of the names are super sexy. I mean, what what do we got? We've got Corey Anderson. Uh, Beast in twenty five eight, which is a, one of the better nicknames. Although I guess he did away with that. Who's got a pretty solid claim? Uh, Jan Blahovich, of course. And then uh, you know everyone was talking about Dominic Reyes, and I was like, I don't know if Dominic Reyes is the guy. But then when he stepped up and beat Weidman, I was like, well, there's the name too. And uh, and Blahovich kind of got it seemed like forgotten. So my point in all this was I was I was counting on him to come out and get a get an impressive win over Jacare Souza another middleweight trying to reinvent himself as a as a heavy as a light heavyweight uh you know to remind us to like to you know to quote Roy Jones Jr. and say y'all must have forgot this like former KSW champ the Polish prince or whatever the fuck he calls himself uh is ready for the big time so I was pumped for him to do that, man. I, I mean, I was absolutely picking him to win the fight, but I was expecting him to come out there with a sense of urgency uh, and, and let us all know what time it is. And you guys saw that fight. He did. Now, he got the win, barely. Uh, it's it's debatable whether he earned that win, but he certainly didn't. I mean, he certainly didn't impress anybody. And, you know, anyone you've talked to has gone over 
what a dismal, dull affair uh, the main event of that card was, to quote the Rolling Stones. But my God, that fight was just dreadful. And I'm a, I'm not, God, you know, I'm, I'm that guy that like loves every fight and I will, I just like take it as a point of pride that I'm not going to be complaining about fights, but I found myself in this main event just like wondering what the fuck was going on, you know, like, okay, what happened? Like, uh, Jacare tries to get it on the, uh, tries to take it to the ground. Uh, they end up in a clinch against the fence. It becomes pretty clear early on that he's not going to have a lot of success getting the takedown. Uh, so we're going to have a striking, uh, this is going to be a stand-up fight. I mean, what was Jacare, I think, ended up being something like, I mean, I'm not looking at the stats, so I'm just kind of remembering off the top of my head, but he, what was he, like 0 for 8 in takedown attempts? I mean, we got a kickboxing match here, and uh, and neither guy just seemed to want to, I mean, it's not that they didn't want to win, it's just that neither of them seemed willing or able to adjust the game plan uh, and I, I know Jan Blachowicz, Blahoyevich, I can never pronounce his name. Uh, it turns out he had suffered a foot injury pretty early on, which might explain uh, some of his reluctance to pull the trigger. Uh, but it doesn't for Jacare. And, and here's the thing: like a lot of times, I mean, we can't you you can't really blame a fighter, or I choose not to blame a fighter. Uh, for fighting a smart fight and for sticking to a game plan, even if it makes it uh, kind of boring for the for the fans. And a perfect example of that is Valentina Shevchenko's last title defense against Liz Carmouche, which, you know, people were just just up in arms about how dreadful it was. And it and I agree, it wasn't an exciting fight to watch. But I absolutely, this is me being like almost naively optimistic and positive. I appreciated watching it because. Because, you know, Bullet Shevchenko just found a smart game plan, recognized that the challenger didn't have anything for her, and so just played it played it safe. And yeah, it wasn't exciting for the fans, but fuck the fans, man. She's out there to get that victory uh, and to advance her career and to hold on to that belt. So I understood it and appreciated it. Uh, this fight was much, much different. This was a different situation because neither fighter had found neither fighter had figured out the other fighter they just you know they they weren't they weren't getting the upper hand on the feet uh Jacare wasn't able to bring the fight to the ground so they just kind of potted each other uh and that fight could have gone either way if uh you know if 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 uh if Jan was was touching him with his jab and uh you know and, and Jacare hadn't been able to close the distance it would have made all the sense in the world you know, to to play it safe and to keep the distance and to just kind of dance around and maybe get on his bike in the last few uh, the last few rounds and and cruise to the you know like a fifty forty five unanimous decision. That was not what happened. Uh, these guys just seemed tentative and um. Oh my God! I mean, there's it's one thing to have respect for your opponent, but this was just too much, man. It was just too much. And then what made it all the worse was that I think in the uh, I don't know. It's been a week, but I think it was like in the the second and the third round, or maybe the third and the fourth round, like right there at the end of the round, you know, when there's 15, 10 seconds left in the round, right before we hear the clapper, uh, Blavit, Jan makes the decision to kind of pull the trigger. I mean, the most, there was more action in the last 10 seconds of the those two rounds, those 20 seconds total, than there was in the entire rest of the fight. And so I don't know exactly what the game plan was there, uh, 
it just didn't. I mean, I'm 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 no. I'm no cornerman, so maybe there's something going on that I was just missing, but it just seemed like neither of them uh, were too keen to pull the trigger. And, uh, and you know, Jan was lucky to escape with that split-decision victory. Uh, when the fight was over, I was convinced. I mean, I was pretty sure that Jacare had that, was going to get that victory, uh, which would throw a little bit of a... Well, I mean, it wouldn't really throw any confusion into that light heavyweight title picture because, you know... Even with Jan getting the victory, he didn't do anything for his case. But it was just like it was just like a nothing fight, you know. And so, congratulations, Jan! You got another uh, another victory at 205. But I mean, if you can take a step back in victory, I think he's farther away from that title shot uh, than he was before that fight. Even though he picked up the victory over a, over a fairly big name in Jacare Souza. So that sort of a uh, I mean, he kind of removed himself from title consideration, and I don't think it's any coincidence that pretty shortly thereafter, uh, Bones Jones sort of just started to make it clear that uh, that Dominic Reyes was his guy, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. So uh, congratulations on that uh, that dreadful, boring victory, Jan. I don't know what's going to be next for you. Uh, if uh, if Dominic Reyes is getting the uh, is getting the title shot, and it certainly appears that he is, and it certainly appears that that may very well take place on a uh, on February 8th in, in Houston, Texas. Uh Jan Jan Blahovich versus Corey Anderson in a in kind of like a de facto number 1 contender fight may very well be uh you know, may very well be the next obvious move. Uh the problem with that of course is that there's not a lot of contenders at 205. And so, if like the uh, if number two and three, or you know, the ostensible number two and three contender fight each other, that's gonna someone's got to win, right? So whoever whoever uh, whoever takes the L in that fight has kind of removed himself from the title picture, uh, at least for uh, you know, at least for a title defense cycle or two. Um, so they they normally don't, you know, they're pretty loath to do that. I think what makes it a little different in this case is that. John Jones is almost certainly, you know, going to be heading up to heavyweight here pretty soon. Uh, certainly, I would say by the end of 2020, if not before. I mean, we may see, I mean, we're clearly going to get another light heavyweight title defense and maybe one after that, but I don't think John Jones is long for the 205 division. So uh, so how about that? How about John Jones versus Dominic Reyes, another one of these stay busy title fights? Because I don't, I mean, I haven't really done a, deep dive tape study of Dominic Reyes, uh, you know, specific to John Jones as an opponent, but I can't imagine that I'm going to notice anything that's going to give me a lot more confidence uh, in him than I have already, which is not a lot. But uh, but there's something to be said about watching a dominant champion, uh, you know, kind of plow through the kind of plow through the division. So we're going to have that. Let's uh, let's say let's say we're going to have Jan versus Corey Anderson and who's going to win that fight. Who the hell knows? I guess, um, I guess I might favor Corey Anderson in that, uh, probably because of his wrestling ability. I can see. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine that's going to be a, a barn burner, but I, I would imagine that uh, Corey Anderson would be wise to get the uh, to get that fight to the mat in at least two of the three rounds, assuming it's not a main event on a fight night card, um, and get that victory. So there's a there's my take on that. Jacare, I don't know what the hell is going to be next for him. Um, the 205 experiment. Uh, 
was kind of a non-starter. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I didn't look at the... Let me pull up the rankings here. These official UFC rankings, which, of course, you have to take with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, I just don't know, man. I just don't know what the... Uh, maybe give him Maybe give him uh, one of the guys... Uh, I don't know. And then, of course, we've got Alexander Rachik, uh fighting, I think, at the end of the year against... Um, Against who? Against uh, who's he fighting? Uzdemir. Yeah, so Rachik's another guy who may who may prove to be a, a potential title challenger in the future. So yeah. So anyway, like the two hundred five uh, landscape is anything but clear. Although it's uh, uh, Dominic Reyes is starting to emerge as the next challenger, and I'm curious to see that. Uh, uh, and I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm excited to see what what he may have to offer John Jones, Jan Blahovich, my man, my Polish brethren. Uh, I wanted to support you so badly. You were my dog in this fight. Uh, and, you know, through no fault of your own, I imagine, you just didn't, you just, you just didn't get up in that saddle. So, uh, so I'm going to have to get off the Jan Blahovich bandwagon. But that's all right, and that's okay. Uh, there's going to be there's going to be more opportunities for him to prove himself. And so, what else did we have in that fight card? Uh, real quickly, Shogun Hua. Uh, uh, you know, left with a with a split draw in a fight that, by all indications, he should have lost. I mean, Paul Craig, who in the world would have expected him to outstrike Shogun Hua? But that certainly appears to be what happened. Yet he, uh, uh, yet they walked away with that draw. And then perhaps the most imp- or most important, perhaps the most impressive uh, fighter on that fight card. You know what I'm going to say, Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Uh, getting that KO, man. Now Charles Oliveira, everybody knows him as this uh, as this jujitsu wizard, uh, who, if I remember correctly, has the I think he's got more submissions than you know than any uh, than any than any fighter in UFC history. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's uh, I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, but man, he's starting to find his hands. Did you see him? Uh, did you see him touch up uh, Jared Gordon there? I mean, he was showing some. Fairly slick boxing, and uh, you know this coming on the heels of his uh, of his touching up Nick Lentz. We're looking at two uh, two KOs in a row, or two TKOs in a row at any rate, and uh, we're starting to get ourselves a sneaky little uh, a sneaky little lightweight contender. What has he got? He's got six victories in a row, uh, and then prior to that, uh, a loss to to Paul Felder. Um, you know, and then a few losses before that. But I mean, we're looking at a guy who's got six wins in a row in this lightweight division. Were he uh, to be competing in any other division at all, he, uh, I mean, we'd be talking title fight after six impressive victories. Uh, but of course, he's in the lightweight division and for some strange reason is still sitting there at number 13 uh, behind some fighters that have taken some L's. So. Jeez, Louise, that's just not accurate. But uh, yeah, Charles Oliveira is looking good, and I mean, I don't. I mean, he's a name that people know, but I don't know that he's a name that people think of as the elite in the division. But he's a winner two away from really being impossible to ignore. So I'm I'm really looking forward to what uh, what might come next for him, and I don't know what that might be. But uh, for my money, he stole the show there in San Paulo last weekend. Uh, with that sweet ass uh, uh, KO of Jared Flash Gordon, man, did he look good! Uh, 
so there it is. Those were the fights last weekend. Uh, not, you know, is not not no not lighting anyone on fire with uh, with that event. But uh, you know, but the UFC train uh, just marches on. The show must go on. Although now we're we're finding ourselves in a little bit of a down period here. Uh, you know, we don't have any uh, we don't have any UFC fights uh, for three weeks, right? I think the next fight is on December seventh. There in DC, the uh, the Alistair Overeem versus uh, was it Yarzinho uh, Rosenstrike, who I am I'm really curious to to see this fight. Uh, Rosenstrike has looked super duper good uh, so far, except for we haven't learned a lot about him. Uh, we've learned that he's got knockout power. Uh, and as far as I know, none of his fights have gone out of the first Oh, yeah, I know Junior Albini uh, made it to the second round. Uh, but, yeah, this guy, does Rosenstroik have any... Uh, what happens if we get it to the ground? Um, I don't know if Overeem is the guy to, to, to show us that, although Overeem's certainly capable of getting it there. Uh, we've, got two, uh, we've got two kickboxers. It looks like Rosenstroik had a... Has had a nice, impressive kickboxing career, uh, and also when you learn a little bit about this guy's life, it looks like he's sort of a—he's <laughs> kind of got a Francis Ngannou thing going on, in which he's like, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction. It looks like he's got some some colorful, uh, some colorful baggage. Uh, looks like he was arrested for getting involved in the drug game, but somehow got out of the charges. Uh, so I certainly don't want to imply that he was uh, caught up in the game because it looks like he's been cleared of those charges. But it just looks like he's got some some exciting uh, exciting experiences out of the cage and out of the kickboxing ring. Uh, and most importantly, we've got another heavyweight who's asserting himself as a as a main event fighter. And I realize that in this case, it's only because of the really just super sad, scary, and you know, I, I hope it. I hope it doesn't turn out to be a tragic situation. I hope there's a happy ending. But uh, Overeem's original opponent, Walt Harris, uh, had to pull out of the fight because of the his stepdaughter's gone missing. And you guys have heard all about this, so I'm not going to recap that. But my God, that that oh my God, of all the reasons, geez, Louise, that's just heartbreaking. So man, I, I certainly hope that somehow, some way, there's there's a you know, there's good news, or at the very least, closure, because right now it just seems like it's a big question mark, uh, which just has to be killing the big ticket Walt Harris. I'm not a father myself, so I can't speak from experience, but my God, my heart goes out to, to Walt Harris and his wife. Uh, but in the spirit of uh, finding the silver lining, what this allows is for a, a you know, a, a promising heavyweight prospect, Jarzino Rosenstroik, to, uh, to step into the spotlight and let's just see if he's ready to shine uh, I hope so um, uh, I, I hope he puts on an impressive performance and I hope that someone is able to teach us uh, or help us learn whether or not this guy's got anything on the mat because that's something we just don't know yet or at least that's something I just don't know yet so so there's the there's the UFC what uh what else do we have coming up man well uh, tonight Friday night, we do have some interesting, uh, some interesting fighting. Uh, Bellator is having one of their Bellator European cards over there in London, and it, it appears that Bellator has just finally kind of hit the fuck it button and is not even pretending uh, at this point that these European series fights are for us Americans. Uh, because you know, I found myself 
I mean, anybody who's listened to this podcast knows like my pet peeve has been these European series cards where they're tape delayed on DAZN. They can't, they won't let us watch them live. And I challenge any of you to spend any time online, uh, even if you like, you know, utilize the mute feature on Twitter without getting spoilers for these fights that I don't get that we don't get to watch live. I never was able, not once, even by accident, was I able to watch the Bellator European series cards uh, without getting spoilers ahead of time. Uh, but Bellator's finally said screw it, and now we're not even able to watch these. I don't. It, it looks like it's available on the app only. So uh, I might, and by might I mean definitely will not. Uh, be watching this Bellator fight card. So it's like, congratulations, Bellator. The only thing, you're you're a, a solid number two. You've proven yourself to be a fight promotion in many ways, the equal of the UFC. Uh, you know, people don't, it's not as high profile and people don't think of Bellator as, you know, as, you know, as the, as the cream of the crop of the, uh, in MMA, but MMA fans recognize that and all they need to do is be consistent put out a steady product and not fuck up. And that's all Bellator needs to do to be successful. And what do they do? I mean, far be it for me to question these decisions that Scott Coker makes. And I'm sure there's some like content, uh, you know, qualifications that they've got to be sensitive to. I mean, there's obviously a reason is my point that they're not showing these fights, but I want to watch your, I want to watch your fights, Bellator. And I'm even willing to go out of my way to watch them but you're making it impossible. So uh, congratulations, now I ain't gonna watch your fights. Um, and the good news is this is not exactly a barn burner of a fight card. Uh, MVP is coming back, Michael Venom Page, uh, you know, after that knockout at the hands of Douglas Lima, uh, is coming back against someone I've never heard of. I mean, I consider myself a pretty hardcore fight fan, but I don't know this name. MVP versus Giovanni Melio. Uh, who may very well be like the brightest welterweight prospect in European MMA, but I don't know this dude. Uh, but MVP is back to style on on somebody, and I'd, I'm, I'd be curious to watch that. I ain't going to watch it. Uh, and also we've got uh, the return of Fabian Edwards, uh, a really promising uh, British middleweight who I believe is undefeated. Uh, so they're going to be... Uh, you know, they're going to give him another sh- uh, opportunity to shine, but uh, I'm just going to have to figure out what happened later. The thing I'm most excited about, in fact, this weekend for a you know for a fight card for a weekend that doesn't that doesn't feature a, a UFC fight card, there is some good shit going on. In addition to the Bellator London fight card that we just talked about, uh, LFA of course I don't know about of course is a uh, you know they got they got the boot from the Access TV network, and we were all hoping and praying. I mean I wasn't doing much praying, but hoping that they were going to uh, to find a home and. You know, everyone that I talked to was like, "Man, wouldn't they be a good fit on Fight Pass?" And sure enough, that's where they they've ended up. And their you know their first event on Fight Pass was last weekend. Uh, they've got another one tonight, which I plan to watch. Uh, looks like we've got a uh, a flyweight title fight um, going on. Uh, LFA may have the most competitive flyweight division right now. We've got a a, a nine and four fighter going up against a fighter with eighteen losses. Uh, for the right to call themselves world champion. So uh, I'm curious to check that out. Uh, and I'm just really excited that, I mean, excited might not be the word, but Bellator, Bellator, uh, the LFA uh, has found a home um, 
on UFC Fight Pass, which may very well single-handedly justify continuing to pay the $9 a month that I pay for Fight Pass uh, if it weren't for the back library, which makes it well worth its its the price. But um, So I'm excited about that. Later on tonight, and this is may not mean a lot to some of you guys, but it means everything to me, there is a big, big match. Big match. Could not be bigger uh, that many of you probably have no interest in. And it's in the world of college wrestling, which anybody who knows me knows that uh, of all the combat sports, uh, MMA is probably my third favorite, boxing my second, and by far my favorite is amateur wrestling, particularly college folk-style wrestling. Um, So we've got the number one team in the nation, the number one squad, Penn State University, uh, going up against my beloved uh, number five Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, I have I have a tremendous connection to each of these schools, uh, Arizona State because that's where I graduated. Uh, I of course being a former college wrestler, but I did not wrestle for Arizona State. I had gotten injured uh, and kind of went on a little bit of a lost couple of years before I made my way out west. So I was not. Uh, member of the ASU wrestling team although I've been a big fan since day one even when I was like like twacked out of my mind high every minute of the late 90s I still would go to all the home meets Um, and I've been following them ever since and now they're making an incredible resurgence uh, featuring probably the most uh, the best current wrestler in in the NCAA uh, their 184 pounder Zahid Valencia who's the you know, two-time defending national champion at 174 pounds, and has moved up to 184 pounds this uh, this season. And if all goes to plan, number one ranked Zahid Valencia uh, is going to be going up against uh, Penn State's number two ranked uh, Shakur Rashid. Now, for a number one versus number two, you would think that there would be a lot more heat around it, but uh, such is the dominance of Zahid Valencia, that really nobody is expecting an upset here, even though he's facing the number two ranked wrestler in his weight class. Uh, but there's also just some really, really, really good matches going on. At 165 pounds, Penn State's number one ranked Vincenzo Joseph, defending a, a defending national champion, is going to be facing our number five ranked Josh Shields. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for an ups. I'm seeing an upset there. This is a rematch of the national semifinals from last year where uh if i remember correctly vincenzo joseph got the uh you know the the would go on to win the national title and uh and and he beat shields i think it was 3 to 2 it was a it was a dogfight man and uh and shields appears to have uh appears to have improved for his senior year and he's a he's a returning all american and uh i'm counting on him to bring the fight to to the defending champion and there's a bunch of other good stuff here um at 174 pounds, and if you guys don't give a shit about this, I completely understand. But at 174 pounds, Penn State's top-ranked Mark Hall, who uh, who has come in number uh, number two, has has the has the, been the national runner-up for the past two years to none other than the aforementioned Zahid Valencia, who's now moved up again to uh, to 184 pounds. But that was the best rivalry. I mean, individual rivalry in college wrestling for years. Zahid Valencia versus Mark Hall. They're uh, they're two and two against each other in their college careers. Um, Mark Hall beating uh, beating Zahid in the in the national semifinals their freshman year, 
uh, and then also beating him in a dual meet last year. Uh, Zahid, like a true champion, knows when to rise to the occasion. His two victories over Mark Hall uh, were in the 2019 and the 2018 national finals. So Zahid's got two big victories over Mark Hall. Mark Hall's got two big victories, although not quite as big over Zahid Valencia. But here's the point: Zahid Valencia's got a brother, not a twin brother, although they're in the same uh, they're in the same class. I guess these are what you call Irish twins, because I believe Anthony Valencia is like eight months or wait, that wouldn't work. About a year older than Zahid, but he is uh, the number eight eight ranked guy at 174 pounds. And so he's gonna he's gonna step in for his uh, for his little bro Zahid and take on top ranked Mark Hall, and then in the heavyweight division, uh, Penn State's top ranked uh, Anthony Kassar Senior, who is uh, himself the returning champion, uh, is facing our Tanner Hall, who uh, who's a graduate student and in his in his final year, and he's a returning All American, who's kind of in some ways underperformed in his career, but. Uh, uh, you know, Penn State's the odds-on favorites to take this dual meet. They haven't lost a dual meet for, I think, like four years. But if uh, if we get a few breaks here, uh, let's say, our, you know, if Tanner Hall is able to get the upset, Josh Shields is able to get the minor upset, um, and then hopefully Ja'Cory Teamer, who is the redshirt freshman that's just going to be a future national champ, uh, got injured earlier this year, and he may be coming back. But if he's back this uh, tonight... Oh my God! Uh, ASU might just uh, might just be knocking off the number one, uh, just dominant and defending champion Penn State Nittany Lions, uh, who I like. I love the I love Penn State. I generally, I mean, I'm a I'm always an underdog guy. I never I don't I don't like you know I hate the Patriots. I hate I hate the Warriors. I hate hate's a strong word, but I never go for these dominant teams. Don't like the Yankees. Uh, cheer against Alabama and football, but uh, I have a I have a connection to Penn State, in that uh, a one of my high school teammates uh, went on to wrestle at Penn State, so I always followed his career. Um, and then when I was a young man in college in Pennsylvania wrestling, I uh, I spent some time on the Penn State campus uh, in the mid to in the mid nineties. And since this is a family podcast, I won't go into too much detail about what went down there. But my God, I had myself a happy time in Happy Valley. Uh, I have nothing but fond memories about the Penn State campus. Uh, That's actually the very first time I ever drank in a bar. So that tells you how long ago this was, back when I was 18. I might have been 19. I was a young man. Um, But anyway, man, boy, do do I get nostalgic and romantic about college wrestling. And we have got a fight tonight. So those of you that are in the USA who have got the uh, the Pac-12 network uh, online, you know, Pac-12.com, and then there's going to be some link somewhere you can watch this. Uh, I would I would love it if some of you guys who may not be college wrestling fans uh, decided to watch. Oh, and and you know, and more to the point, uh, we're probably going to be looking at we're probably looking at some of like the 2025 uh, UFC champions. Uh, performing you know competing tonight uh everybody knows that that college wrestling that amateur wrestling is the best base for uh the the best base for mma and penn state's former champions are really just making a name for themselves phil davis was a was a national champ at penn state ed ruth national champ at penn state uh bo nickel just made some news by he's a three-time defending champion who just signed with first round management and is going to be a 
is going to be entering MMA after the 2020 Olympics or after his shot at making the Olympic team. So there's a pretty good chance that that uh, that in this meet tonight we've got some future uh, Bellator or UFC champions or contenders. Uh, so so get in on the ground floor. But my point is, if any of you guys end up watching this, dude, I would love to chat wrestling with you guys. It, I love college wrestling to the marrow of my bones. Um, so so tune in and uh, and check it out and let's chat about it. Um, and then, of course, obviously, and of course, the big one, the big fight this weekend uh, taking place over there in the world of boxing, uh, our WBO champion, Deontay Wilder, uh, I'm sorry, WBC champion, Deontay Wilder, heavyweight champ of the world, going up against Luis Ortiz. And nobody appeared, and this, of course, is a rematch of their uh, 2018 fight um, in which uh, you know Wilder got a nice 10th uh, round TKO there. But what people seem to be forgetting is that Ortiz nearly closed the show. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to be betting on this fight, but people are sleeping on Luis Ortiz tremendously here. Last I checked, he was a plus 400 underdog, and that is nothing but value. So I just said I'm probably not going to be betting on this fight, and then I just explained to myself why why I should be. So maybe I will sprinkle a little bit on Ortiz. Uh that being said, I'm counting on Wilder to have added a few more tools to his toolkit. I mean, he's a he's a fighter that seems to rely almost exclusively on his power. I mean, he's not he's not a practitioner so much of the sweet science as he is is just getting in there and looking for that knockout blow, which uh, in 40 fights, 39 fights, I guess, has a has materialized. Of course, it didn't materialize against Tyson Fury last year. Um, but that's what's at stake here. Uh, Deontay Wilder has already got a date with uh, with Tyson Fury for their rematch, February 22nd. And that is a big, I don't need to explain this to any of you guys, that is a big money rematch. Uh, and there is, there's some, there's an argument to be made that this was an ill-advised uh, title defense here against Ortiz. Uh, because if Ortiz pulls off the upset, that, that fight against Tyson Fury goes away. And that is going to be... I mean, that's going to be like Scrooge McDuck money. But here's, I, I've talked about this before. I'll talk about it again. Here's why I'm excited about heavyweight boxing. We've got the four, the four big guys right now have kind of finagled their way into the, uh, into the inner circle. Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, 41-0-1, uh, our WBC champion. Tyson Fury, uh, you know, defeat the lineal champ who defeated Vladimir Klitschko and, uh, you know, has had like this like Lazarus-like return from like mental health and substance abuse to turn himself into like A, one of the most, most importantly, like dominant fighters going right now, but B, just one of the best personalities. Uh, and of course, their first fight between those two was just a classic. And then there on the other side, we've got Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz Jr. Now... Andy Ruiz Jr., and I'm just recapping some stuff that you guys are familiar with, pulled off the upset of, of a couple years, man, the upset of a big fucking upset when he, uh, when, when he knocked out uh, Anthony Joshua last year. And those of you that watched that fight can attest to this. That was not a fluke. That was a comprehensive victory. Yeah, he got knocked down early, but he responded like a champ and really just outworked AJ. And I think AJ may have underestimated him, and I'm counting... On, uh, on Anthony Joshua to get the victory when they have their rematch on the seventh, but it is by no means a given. That's going to be a fight. Don't let uh, don't let Andy Ruiz Jr.'s chubby physique and just kind of like 
goofy disposition fool you. This guy's a fighter to the bone. So uh, we've got a little bit of a, a tournament of sorts set up here. Ruiz and, and, and Joshua are going to have their rematch next month. Uh, we've got Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz here. And let's all just hope that Wilder gets the victory to set up that rematch with Tyson Fury uh, in February. And what that sets up, and this is what I'm looking forward perhaps more than any other combat sports related possibility or fight available. In fact, if I were going to have like a Christmas list here, this would be at the top of my Christmas list. Santa Claus, I've been incredibly good this year, so bring this shit to me. Uh, I want the winner of Deontay Wilder, uh, Tyson Fury, to fight the winner of Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua, uh, you know, in the spring or summer of 2020. Uh, put that in Las Vegas, Nevada, or maybe in like the Staples. I don't know, man. Just like put that here in the U.S. and you have got what may very well be the most high-profile and big-money boxing match of our lifetimes. I mean, uh, you know, Mayweather-Pacquiao was a big one, but it in almost no way was competitively relevant. Uh, this will be. So that's what I'm hoping for, man. And I'm I'm watching this fight uh, this weekend kind of in some ways pulling for Ortiz because he's just a good, solid fighter and easy to cheer for. But bigger picture, man, I'm looking for Wilder to somehow, you know, to, you know, to get that victory again to set up this little, uh, to set up this rematch with Tyson Fury and then and then set up a, God, just like a huge fight for the undisputed heavyweight title uh, and probably the, the title of... You know, I mean, this would bring boxing well into the uh, into the American sports mainstream, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. But what else do we have here, man? We got a nice little undercard on this fight on this uh, on this fight card too. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz, the number one ranked featherweight in the world, uh, is going to be expected to handle his business against Miguel Flores, and then Luis Neri, who's a top ranked bantamweight, uh, is is set to do battle against uh, against Emmanuel Rodriguez. Who's a uh, who's pretty impressive in his own right, but here's what I'm thinking, and you know we all know that in boxing it gets confusing with the different uh, promotional arms, but uh, Luis Neri, should he get by Emmanuel Rodriguez, which I count on him to do, wouldn't it be nice? Uh, and it won't be the next fight, and it might not even be the fight after that, but there is a there is a a, a monster over there in Japan, a bantamweight monster who goes by the name of Naoa Inoue, Monster Inoue, who just who just put on the fight of the year for my money against Nonino Donaire, um, signed with a signed with Top Rank, I believe, and is coming over here to the United States to make himself a star. And he may very well be my uh, my favorite boxer right now, uh, Monster Inouye. So Luis Neri, who is, you know, for my money, the second best bantamweight around right now, wouldn't it be nice down the road to see what see what he can do against uh, against Inouye? Uh, I'd be curious to see that. I'd be curious to see Luis Neri against anybody, and I would definitely be interested to see Monster Inouye against anybody, because uh, my God, that guy's a killer. Um, and so, uh, so we'll leave it at that, but let's tie up a few, uh, a few loose ends here. What else do we have going on? Um, 
you're not going to believe this. We do have a little bit of breaking news. Uh, you guys have my undivided attention. I promise you that. However, I was uh, clicking around on some things. And just a minute ago, as, uh, as we were talking about Deontay Wilder and uh, Luis Ortiz, uh, I saw something from none other than Brett Okamoto at, uh, at ESPN. Uh, that fight has gone official, it looks like. So uh, John Bones Jones is going to be defending his... Um, you know his light heavyweight title against Dominic Reyes on February eighth at uh, in Houston, Texas. So uh, let's just re- let's uh, let's go over a few things. I'm just kind of like running down this off the top of my head, looking to the future um, before we get the hell out of here. But that fight card, uh, UFC, I guess it's going to be two forty seven uh, on February eighth in Houston, Texas, is starting to come together. And and we get, we're in an interesting position here because they've got a. Uh, you know they've got UFC 246 penciled in for uh, 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 for 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 Las Vegas in uh, on the 18th of January, but I think from what I understand that being finalized is contingent upon uh, on uh, on the return of Conor McGregor, which is there are some variables at play, all of which have to do with his out of the cage. Uh, let's just say indiscretion. So I don't think that's a given, but they have UFC 246 penciled in. Uh, on the 18th, uh, which would make the February 8th card in Houston, uh, UFC 247. And like I said, it just went official. I just noticed this a few minutes ago. Uh, that's going to be headlined by uh, by John Jones and Dominic Reyes for that uh, for that uh, light heavyweight title. And uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm definitely counting on John Jones to get that victory. Uh, Although who knows? Who knows? Dominic Reyes has looked super good, and he has got lights out power, uh, and that's the way that uh, that you pull off these upsets. So we're just gonna have to see. And also, I'll acknowledge that that's exactly what I would have said against uh, Tiago Santos. I would have said John Jones all day, and uh, we all remember how close uh, Tiago Santos came to uh, to getting the nod in uh, what would have been a monumental but kind of dull upset. But I digress. So we've got uh, we've got the light heavyweight title fight. Just yesterday, the co-main event was made official uh, for the for the uh, women's flyweight championship between our reigning and defending champion uh, Valentina Shevchenko and um, and the challenger coming off of a nice victory over Jennifer Maya, uh, Caitlin Chikugian. So that's a that's a pretty nice one too. And it's interesting that they're pairing up the light heavyweight champ with the women's flyweight champ. Because in some ways, these are very, very similar. Um, well, they're not similar fighters, but they're in a similar situation in which the champion of these divisions is so heads and shoulders superior to the rest of the, uh, excuse me, to the rest of the uh, to the rest of the contenders that it's really just kind of a showcase fight. I mean, we can say the exact same thing about Caitlin Chikugian as we did about Dominic Reyes. No one, and I mean nobody, is going to be giving her the. Uh, giving her much of a chance to unseat the champ. Um, and that's not to say it's not going to happen. That's just to say no one expects it to happen. But so what we're going to have here is an opportunity for John Jones and for Valentina Shevchenko to show just how truly great they are over uh, what on paper appear to be overmatched uh, contenders. Uh, and then there's a few other fights announced for this fight card. Uh, it looks like Andrea KGB Lee is going to be returning against Lauren Murphy. Uh, KGB herself uh, I'm not looking at the rankings here, but just off the top of my head, uh, is maybe a fight or two away from a from a title shot of her own. So maybe if she can get through a, 
you know that tough veteran Lauren Murphy, uh, she might be uh, she might be sitting cage side and, and calling next on a uh, for the winner of uh, of that co-main event. Um, so hey man, that fight's that's a that's going to be a nice little fight card. Uh, the January pay per view or what appears to be a pay per view is uh, is hasn't quite become clear yet. Although oh, and another thing. Uh, to go back to the Houston fight card, if I remember correctly, I think we're talking about uh, Derek Lewis and uh, Alir Latifi getting it on in that fight card, which is, they announced that fight a couple days ago, and my God, that's a little bit of a head-scratcher. I don't know what Alir Latifi did to piss off the the matchmakers, but that's just about the worst possible introduction to the heavyweight division for... uh, for a little Alir Latifi, so let's uh, let's see what happens there. I guess they're not expecting him to make any noise up there and just want to get their contractually obligated fight offers out of the way. I don't know, but uh, that's interesting matchmaking to say the least. But all that being said, man, that that Houston card's looking pretty nice. The uh, the January card, which there it sounds like they're hoping is going to be headlined by uh, uh, by by the return of Conor McGregor, doesn't have quite as uh, as many names to it yet, although uh, again in the women's flyweight division, Macy Barber versus Roxanne Modafferi has been announced for that date, uh, which is interesting. Uh, which is interesting matchmaking. Macy Barber, uh, they've got high hopes for her, and you know she's been calling out Paige Van Zant, and uh, I mean it, it just, it just kind of seems like they can't win with Macy Barber because she's uh, I don't know what her ranking is. I don't have it in front of me, but she's. Her ranking at this point, whatever it is, and I don't know because I'm not looking, uh, is not indicative of the fighter that she is. I mean, make no mistake, this is a this is a future contender, but she's young and she's brand new off the contender series, so she's got to get some names. She's got to get some fights to, uh, 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 you know, to build her resume, and she's in that uh, that unenviable position of not being a name. Uh, you know, she's ranked low enough that the higher ranked fighters don't have a lot of compelling reasons to accept a fight with her. So she just has to take the fights that she can get. And I know that a lot of people were complaining about the, uh, I saw this online, which you, good Lord, you can never, uh, whenever you see people talking online, you always just have to assume that 70% of the time they're just talking out their ass. But most people were like kind of throwing shade at Macy Barber for fighting, uh, for taking a fight against Roxanne Modafferi, who is a, you know, a veteran of the fight game, but not really a, uh, I mean, and I say this with nothing but respect and love for Roxanne Modafferi, not really a world beater, but uh, I happen to think it's a pretty good fight for Macy Barber because it's a very, very, very winnable fight, and also it's a big name, or it's it's a name that people are going to know, and when you get a name like Roxanne Modafferi on your, uh, on your resume, um, it makes it a lot more difficult for the you know for the for those ladies that got like a five six or seven next to their name to uh you know there to decline the fight so macy barber uh moving moving right up there and i definitely count on her to get this victory uh and what else do we have they've announced a uh yeah the the first quarter of 2020 the, the fight cards are starting or the schedule starting to come together they've got a nice little uh a nice little fight card uh shaping up here in uh in uh in raleigh north carolina uh, pretty nearby to where one of my best friends in the world lives. Uh, headlined by Curtis Blades and Junior Dos Santos. Junior Dos Santos, of course, kind of becoming the uh, 
the fight night headliner king. I mean, he's always headlining these like little middle of nowhere fight cards, whether it's Wichita or Boise. Now it's in Raleigh, but uh, uh, and he's also becoming something of a high level gatekeeper. Um, you know, he turned Evoy Blagovich uh, away, uh, whereas Francis Ngannou was able to get through him, and now we're talking title shots. So let's see what Curtis Blades has for uh, for our former champion JDS. And, uh, and then, of course, also on this fight card, Frankie Edgar's bantamweight debut against the tough, tough, tough Corey Sandhagen. So they're, they're putting... Uh, they're, they're getting Frankie straight to the front of the line. And, you know, if he were to get a victory here... Uh, we're talking title shot. I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, Corey Sandegan, I think, is ranked number three. Of course, bantamweight, and maybe we'll talk about this more on the next podcast because we're running out of time, but the flyweight and the bantamweight divisions are a bit confusing because Henry Cejudo's getting pretty close to starting to make some plans to come back, and uh, it's time to kind of sort out who he's going to be defending against. But uh, a victory over Corey Sandhagen would go a long way towards uh, towards making a case for Frankie Edgar. And the and the and the reverse is true. Where Corey Sandhagen to to get a nice victory over Frankie Edgar, well, I don't think he's getting next. But uh, that's gonna look really freaking good on his resume. Uh, so there we have it. Oh, and also on that fight card, Rafael dos Anjos, uh, RDA going up against Michael Chiesa in a nice welterweight bout. Um, and uh, what else did we have? Uh, ben Askren announced his retirement from MMA. Um, and although, uh, 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 you know, MMA retirements are kind of like high school breakups, you know, uh, they're just, it's often it's more like pressing pause. But uh, but I, I tend to put a little more stock in this one. Uh, he had his uh, UFC experience and, you know, the great unanswered was how well would Ben Askren do in the UFC. He was like this 18-0 and dominant champion in, the, in Bellator and then won. Uh, and he finally made his way over to the UFC and we found out um, exactly uh, how he was going to perform. And the answer was probably not quite up to the level that maybe some people would have hoped. But you know what? I think that's probably going to be enough for now. Um, I've taken up enough of your time. Um, I will be back next week to, uh, you know, to chat about some of the stuff that we talked about tonight or this afternoon. Uh, and also to, uh, maybe we'll do a special Thanksgiving episode. Cause I, I am overwhelmed with gratitude. So the holiday of Thanksgiving, a day in which we celebrate gratitude, uh, that's right up my alley. And there's a, and also we'll have some, some stuff to talk about. So I am going to get the hell out of here. Uh, and get on with my life. I invite you to do the same. Um, again, thank you so much, guys, for uh, for hanging out with me for this past hour. Uh, I'm just going to ask you one more time to rate and review the podcast on whatever the hell platform you're listening to me on. And I'm going to ask you again, maybe even a little more forcefully, watch the Penn State ASU wrestling match tonight uh, so we can chat about it next week. But until then, man, whatever it is you're doing this weekend... Uh, what's today? Friday. Yeah, the weekend's coming up. Whatever you guys got going on, uh, I hope you just rock the shit out of it. I hope you're doing well. I hope you have a great week. I'm going to have a great week. And, and until we meet again, I just wish you all the best. Thanks a lot. See you later.